here this evening. If you're able, just find your seats and get ready to worship our King together. We are glad to be able to join in with you. Say hi to one more person and then find your spots. <laughs> We're glad to have you here this night.
to have you here tonight if you would like to just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening.
Lord, it's good to see you on this uh, kind of spring preview Wednesday. Don't get too excited. I saw snow on the radar next week, so don't get too excited about it, all right? You know how it goes. We're still in February. Get too excited about it. Well, I hope you're doing well tonight. Live streamers, good to have you. So if you're on live stream, go ahead and say hey and wave on there and, and let us know you're watching. We're glad you're tuned in to us. But I'm glad for those that are here in the house of the Lord with us also. And uh, did, did you know that we appreciate you? Did you know that? Tur turn to your neighbor and say, I like you. Just let them know. I like you. Let them know that. That may have been the best compliment you got all day. Hopefully not, but let them know that. All right, tithing offering. If you have not got that prepped, you may do so now. There's offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you. If not, one of the fine ushers will help you out. Just yell at them or throw something. They'll get to you. But, uh, again, we appreciate your giving. You guys are so faithful. And uh, we believe that uh, we pray good stewardship over every penny that comes into the house. And we pray that God uses it uh, to multiply upon it the work of the kingdom. That's what, that's what it's about. So um, as you give, we believe that God is doing more with what we give than we can possibly conceive in our own brain. Amen? So as, let's give tonight. Lord, we thank you. Uh, just, just for who you are. And I pray, Lord, that the kingdom is advanced with everything that we give into this house at all times, Lord. And, and good stewardship is guided by your spirit. But, Lord, the, the kingdom, as it is sowed into, it reaps the reward of, of, of salvations and long-term discipleships and just simply the help of the kingdom as we help those in need. So I pray as we gather together so often here, as we give so often, Lord, that the blessings upon that uh, as we give and and. For those that may be struggling financially in this time, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you make ways where there seems to be no way. You open doors, that you uh, prove yourself faithful as the provider of this day, our daily bread. And we stand in that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. amen. Bring it if you have it. As always, a couple of announcements. Vinny gave this to me before church this Saturday at 10 a.m., Van Crest Nursing Home Outreach. So if you want to be involved in that, and I know some of you are very faithful in being involved in that. Thank you so much. It's a great outreach. Uh, but if you've never been a part of that and you want to know more about it, see Benny. She'd love to add you to uh, the team this Saturday. Um, don't forget the second part number two of Marriage Nights is this Friday night from 7 to 9. Uh, I'm assuming everybody's coming back. If not, me and Margaret will be here anyways and eat the food Tish makes. That's what's going to happen. So, um, But we're looking forward to coming back and spending some more time together about our marriages. Um, let's see, uh, Kids Church team needs, we need, we need some more Kids Church workers to help expand uh, into our nursery area. So if you're interested in that, there's a sign sheet at the back table, please put your name on that. And is this, is this the third Wednesday of the month? Am I tracking that right? If so, next Wednesday is the fourth. It means it's youth hangout night, fifth to 12th grade, I think is next Wednesday, the fourth Wednesday. So. Uh, let everybody know about that so they always have a good time. Other than that, that's all I want to share. Let's get our Bibles out. We are still in the book of Revelation and we'll be for a little bit more after tonight. And we're kind of very 
Again, it's a slow roll kind of working through uh, about the book of Revelation. And I'm, I'm simply trying to make the book of Revelation uh, accessible to you, kind of demystified a little bit. Uh, again, it is a, uh, a prophecy of foretelling and foretelling given by Jesus to John, the revelator, addressed originally to the seven churches, which we will talk about tonight. And uh, it contains so much to learn from, even beyond just things that we believe will be happening in our future. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight as it pertains to the seven churches. Now, I don't want to recap too much. I know I did last week, and on the way home, Margaret told me I spent too much time recapping, so I won't do that tonight. Um, Nobody's allowed to critique what I do but her. When she does, I listen, okay, most of the time. Um, but anyhow, uh, if Justice or, or we got Elijah back there, can you throw that map up there of the seven churches? It's, I think it's a yellow map um, and kind of give a, a picture of the seven churches. So the seven churches were actual, literal meeting churches at the time of uh, when this revelation came to John. So revelation, revealing, uh, apocalyptic, okay, concerning things of, of the order of salvation, of things of the end. And here are the seven churches. And, and depending on uh, wh where you read things, the churches actually are spelled different ways in, in, in different uh, sources. But anyhow, uh, as you can see, we consider modern-day Turkey, but this is Asia. So there were churches located in Asia, and, and you may not be uh, familiar with any of them. Maybe Ephesus should stick out to you a little bit. The book of Ephesians uh, was written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. Um, and, and, of course, First uh, and Second Timothy. So Timothy was uh, the leader of the church in Ephesus. So First and Second Timothy was written to Timothy, who was overseeing the church in Ephesus. The, the book of Ephesians was written there also. So anyways, seven churches that the letter of Revelation, it, it identifies itself as a book within itself, but it is a letter, was circulated among these uh, seven churches. So uh, if you read about them, uh, they were connected by Roman roads. They were good roads. In other words, travel on them would have been rather easy. And in a general sense, they were roughly two days travel apart from each. Okay? So um, the churches, and again, it, depending on your, your thought of who John is, John Revelator, they may have been churches that John was considered a prophet to. He may have traveled to these churches almost like a circuit. So when he was exiled on the island of Patmos and he received this revelation and he transcribed it and this letter was sent, it would have been received by the churches with the authority of a prophet. In other words, this letter would have came with some weight to it. It would have meant some. They would not have dismissed it. Now, church, church then different than church today because the reason is, and the big reason is, because everybody, most of you are sitting here, if not in, in a, a, a book form with pages, you have it on your phone, you have a Bible in front of you containing Old and New Testament, right? These churches would not have had this. If they had copies of, of the law or, or of, of maybe some of the prophets of the Old Testament, but certainly what we would consider our New Testament, they would not have had. 
letters were to circulate. At a certain point, they would be being copied and at a later time compiled together in what we considered the canon of the New Testament. But what would have happened is the person that brought the letter, which would not have been John because John was on the island of Patmos, so a messenger, a trustworthy person, would have been sent with this letter. And they literally, at the gathering of believers, would have stood up and read what we call the book of Revelation, all 22 chapters. Now, you guys understand that when these books of the Bible were written, they didn't have chapters and verses in them. Those were added much later so we can find stuff. So it literally would have been this long letter, and the person would have stood up and read the letter to the captive audience, and, and, and certainly in the nature of the book of Revelation, it would have been very expressive in its reading. And learning back then is different today. And you get accustomed to how you receive learning. They would have heard this reading, and they would have learned from it and remembered it, and things would have caused a response to it while it was being read. So I think, I think we think, man, if you read all of Revelation, how, how would they have remembered it? Learning was different. They would have captured much more of it than we would have if I stood up tonight and just read the book of Revelation, closed it, and we left. Okay, think things were different. So the letter would have been circulated by the same messenger or, or different, we don't know, but it would have been read to each one of these churches. And, and as we're going to read here, it was addressed in a certain way to each one. So it's almost like the letter has a, a general opening, then has seven different openings to different churches. Um, would the opening to Laodicea been read in Philadelphia? We don't know. We don't know if they'd have read the opening to Philadelphia and jumped right into the rest of Revelation, or if they'd have read the whole thing. We don't know. But each church, there are certain things addressed to it. Almost all of them, there's a critique of the church, things that are not going well. To every church, there's a sense of, but to him who conquers, okay, and we'll talk about that. But every church... Uh, it's addressed in a way, again, that Jesus is glorified in the description of Jesus, okay? So, this is what we're going to do. We're going to read, and there's actually not a whole lot to it. It won't take too awful long here. We're going to read each opening to each church and talk about each one after we read it, okay? So, let's jump right in. Revelation, chapter number 2, and we'll start in verse number 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him, and, and, and again, each one opens with some sort of a high glorification of Jesus. So this is about Jesus right here. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, if we'd have read the end of chapter one, that would have said what those were. The lampstands are the seven churches that this letter is being addressed to. I know your works your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So there is an encouragement to the church in Ephesus. You're doing some things that are good. Keep it up. But then he comes in with the critique here. He said, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the first love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent 
and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have is you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, what was interesting about Ephesus, Ephesus was the location of the great temple of Artemis, the Greek goddess. The Romans, you, you know about Greek mythology, the Romans and Greek mythology, they, they worshiped the same gods, but sometimes the Romans had a different name for them than the Greeks did. You study some mythology. So Artemis it, to the Romans was Diana, okay? And there's certain uh, things that the gods oversaw and uh, uh, kind of, uh, where they prayed to him and, and offered sacrifice to him in order to grant favor in those certain things. So in Ephesus was this great temple to Artemis. Um, and by the way, First Timothy, where it talks about uh, women and authority and, and teaching and all that stuff in the church, it has to do with this temple of Artemis there, this goddess that was worshipped with the cult of women and different things like that. So little side thing. So you have this great temple of this goddess Artemis in Ephesus, and it had an impact on the church. Now, the Nicolaitans, by the way, uh, it, it, it's not it, hard to discern exactly who the Nicolaitans were. They think mostly they were uh, teaching of things of a Gnostic nature. Uh, uh, material things are bad. Um, there, there, were, there was a God, but a lesser God who created material things. And, and the way to salvation is enlightenment and escaping material things. Uh, Gnosticism was one of the great heresies of the early church they were constantly coming against and dealing with. Okay, so if you read through the letters, the epistles of the New Testament, when they're talking about uh, false teachers coming in and things like that, a lot of times it had to do with Gnosticism. The Nicolaitans, they believed, were, were those that, that were trying to teach and bring Gnosticism into the church. So there, there was a calling to the church in Ephesus. We're glad you're calling out this false teaching. Good job. Okay? But having this against you, you are falling back from your first love. And, and I think, it, I think it's uh, not too hard to say. That is, that's talking about they're falling back from the first love that called them, and that is Jesus. That is not the priority. It's not, not uh, uh, what you are completely about as you once were. So some of these things that we find in these letters, there, there's some very basic things that the church is being challenged in. Don't get dull in chasing the relationship of your first love. It's that simple. But, but, I, but I like it says, but to him who overcomes, now we start to see uh, these big pictures of life to come, new life that, that we find in fulfillment in Revelation 19, 20, 21, 22. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So it's taking us back to Genesis, Garden of Eden, eating of the tree of life. But that, that was taken away because they ate of the tree of knowledge, good and evil, right? Cast from the garden. So paradise, in a certain sense of God's original creation, in a sense is being reclaimed in new creation of when all things are made new, 1920, 
21 of Revelation. Amen? So those who overcome, who hold fast and continue to chase the relationship of their first love, find themselves in the place of the one who conquers. Okay? Here's the second church. To the church of the angel, uh, or to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? The words of the first and the last, who died and who came tonight. Again, another glorification of Jesus. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. In other words, that they are literally in a place of poverty, but they are rich where? Right here. This, your, your financial state is not the, the true riches of this world that we have in Jesus. Amen? Be rich in things of God. It says, so uh, your tribulation, your poverty, and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, there's much to say about uh, worth that's about, and it actually talks in another letter to another church about the throne of Satan being there. Um, really what is coming from in this context is that there, there are those that are Jews that are what the writer uh, of Revelation is saying are not really Jews because they have not come into the fullness of the promise of Abraham and Jesus. Okay? So he's calling them false Jews. As a matter of fact, most likely these Jewish people are stirring up persecution against the Christians who are living in Smyrna. Now, now notice what it goes on to say then. But our synagogue of Satan, do not fear what you're about to suffer. In other words, it, there's the warning that things are going to be happening. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. We know that happens. That you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now, this, the synagogue of Satan, by the way, Smyrna, and this is something we're going to get into a lot starting next week. Smyrna was a center for emperor worship. So we're, we're going to start talking next week about the imperial cult. The imperial cult meaning worship of Rome and worship of the emperor that came in with Augustus Caesar and, and the lines after him. Uh, so what was happening was there was a deification of the emperors of Rome. The leaders of Rome started to be deified as gods. And they were caused to be worshipped. And in their poverty, it, it's been noticed that maybe those in Smyrna were not falling into line of worship of the emperor cult in Smyrna. And what would have happened is there would have been economic sanctions because of it. Their poverty may have been a direct result that they were not participating in the emperor cult, which we'll find later in Revelation, the mark of the beast and things of that nature goes along with that thought. But, but notice, to him who overcomes, so it, it is, it is uh, they're being told very, very straightforward, you're going to be persecuted, thrown into prison. Some of you may lose your life. You know, in the book of Revelation, one of the great themes is martyrdom is of high esteem in the book of Revelation. 
going as far as to giving your life for proper worship, his high esteem in the book of Revelation. And what would have happened is, again, I don't want to get too much into stuff we're going to talk about the next couple weeks is, there would have been statues, figures of the emperor. And you would have had to, as part of your daily activity, see, in Rome, religion and politics and work were all brought together like this. You, there was no separation, all together like this. So part of your daily practice would have been worship. That's why worship's a big deal in Revelation. So if, if Margaret's accused of being a Christian, she would have had an opportunity, and, and again, remember, Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Right? That, that's, that's the political statement of the early church. Inside, inside the imperial cult, part of their daily activity would have been worship of the imperial cult. But as a political statement, say, Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. I will worship Jesus and I will not worship Caesar. I will not worship the emperor. What they would have did was, if you'd have been found in violation of it, you may have been brought to the image. Remember, you know, remember we'll talk about the beast and the image of the beast and being called to worship the image. This is where all this falls in line. You would have been forced to come and had an opportunity to renounce Jesus and worship the image. They were to give you a chance. If not, imprisonment, persecution, and maybe even death. This is what those in Smyrna were facing. But notice what it says, to him who overcomes, to him who conquers, will not be hurt by the second death. Now, we know what the second death is when you read later on in the book of Revelation, right? The second death is after judgment, eternal separation from God. There is physical death, then there is the second death, which comes after judgment. Those who overcome, you have no fear of the second death. Again, it's another way of saying you will have life eternal with God. Amen. Okay, next church. So in other words, each of these churches, again, like I said last week, there are some that teach they represent church ages, okay, you, you can draw things like that. But just know that in all the book of Revelation, it had a very time-specific context for what they were experiencing in their time. And it meant something. The book of Revelation is not just a bunch of futuristic stuff. It will have future implications. It does have future events. But it meant something to the people that heard it. So the people of Smyrna, when they, they were read this, it would have struck at the heart of their everyday life. And they were being challenged in their everyday life to overcome. Let's see the next church. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. Again, Jesus, glorification of him. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Now, again, there's, there's a lot of speculation about this. Um, some, some take it as a more of a spiritual warfare kind of concept that it, at this place in the world is where Satan literally resides, his throne, okay? In Pergamum, by the way, Pergamum was the uh, uh, provincial capital of Roman Asia. So it would have been considered the center, the source of Roman Asia. And in uh, Pergamum, there was all sorts of cultic activity. 
there was a whole bunch of stuff going with the, the imperial cult, temples and stuff. There were several temples to, the, to the, the Roman gods, the Greek gods. It was a big center of worship of pagan deities. And the angel bringing the message says, and this is Satan's throne. This is the center of pagan worship in Asia under Roman rule. Okay, so let's keep reading. Yet you hold fast to my name. In the midst of you dwell where Satan's throne, where all this pagan worship is, you hold fast to my name. And you do not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Antipas, in, in church history, uh, was a leader of the Christian people in the area, and he was martyred under the reign of Nero. And we're going to talk about Nero next week. So this was a martyr under the Roman Caesar, Nero. But I have a few things against you. You have, you have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so they might eat the food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. Okay, the story of Balaam is found where? Numbers, chapter 22, and, and so forth. And what happens in the story eventually is... Uh, Balak tries to get Balaam to curse Israel, remember? And he wouldn't do it. And he kept, he kept saying, no, I really have to listen to what God says. It's a big story. But eventually, Israel was enticed into worship of idols of the surrounding nation because of that happening. So, so the challenge here is, look, you're in this place where all of this pagan worship is, and some of you are being enticed in the way to start to be drawn into the worship that is in this area. He's calling it out. So you also have some who hold to the teaching of Nicolaitans. Again, maybe Gnosticism. Therefore, repent. Now, one thing about what is being said to the churches is in, in, the, in the things that are being called out in critique, there is always the offer to repent. You have an opportunity to make this square. Aren't we thankful for that? That, that when we are not, when we come because of revelation, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and convicts us, that, that we always, listen, we always have an opportunity to repent. Amen. So the angel bringing this message of the revelation uh, from Jesus calls these two things out. You're slipping into idolatry. Uh, some of this Gnosticism is slipping into the church. Look, let's stop this. Let's repent. Now watch. If you don't, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. That goes back to uh, the introduction of Jesus as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. He who has an ear, and, and this, again, this is said a lot in these letters. If you have an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. Now, Part of, of the cultic practice was uh, participating in cultic foods and things that are sacrificed to idols. Come out from it, and you'll get some of the hidden manna, different kind of being fed. And that has to do, again, as we go back to the Old Testament and know the story of the manna, this is the provision of God that sustains us. This is a, this is a glimpse of, of eternal uh, uh, participation with God. And then also it says... Uh, and it may be a little mysterious what this means. And I will give him a white stone, white representing righteousness, 
with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. In other words, God is making all things new. He's making you new, and he's taking you into an eternity with him. And, and it's in his provision, his wonder, his mystery that he makes this happen. So there's a warning. Come out from idolatry. Let's get rid of some of this, this, this teaching that doesn't belong. Repent of it. And if you do, guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the eternal factor of provision. That, that's an eternal thing. I'm going to bring a, a newness to you that changes your name. In other words, it changes all things about you. You know, the practice in the early church was at baptism, you got your Christian name. There's, some churches still practice this. You have a Christian name. You ever, ever hear that before? It's sort of what it's talking about. You're made in such a new way. You're going, you're going from Simon to Peter. You're going from Saul to Paul. I'm going to give you a brand new name that's just between us. And that's, that's a carry of your identity for the rest of eternity. There's a promise to him who conquers. All right, let's keep going. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira, right, the words of the Son of God... Again, about Jesus, who has eyes like the flame of fire and whose feet are burnished bronze. I know your works and your love and your faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart and will give to each of you according to your works. That is a foreshadow of judgment. Now, Jezebel. Again, you can go back into the Old Testament and read about her in 1 Kings. Uh, maybe an actual woman who was a false prophet prophesying and trying to draw them into the practice of sexual immorality and cultic practice of food sacrifice to idols, or maybe a general spirit. Uh, Jezebel here may represent uh, uh, part of the imperial cult that we'll find into the beast and the false prophet, which Rome represents the, the whore of Babylon and all the different things, and those who are seduced into her uh, lavishness of finances and, and trade and things of that nature, which we'll talk about next week. But in other words, whoever this is, literal person or spirit, is again drawing the church, is challenging the church, is trying to bring them into sexual immorality, which probably is tied to the imperial cult. The, the cultic practices involve sex. Okay, and there was a lot of sexual things happening. Expect like the, the, the cult of Artemis in Ephesus, there, there would have been sexual practice involved in that. So sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. Now, something about this, this keeps coming up. Paul writes, don't worry about it. If, 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 if your conscience is okay with that, do it. If it's not, don't, right? We know Paul writes that concerning things like this. But when this revelation is coming, this is probably pretty much saying that the people that are participating in it are literally participating in the worship along with it. Okay? So in other words, they were being drawn into actual worship practice of the imperial cult and the things that are happening in the city. Let's keep reading here. 
And of course, there, there's big judgment on Jezebel and, and uh, those who are participate with her. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, and again, they're, they're connecting that back to maybe Gnosticism or, or some sort of heresy that was coming into the church. To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. To the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And I will, he will rule with a, a rod of iron, as the earth and pots are broken into pieces, even myself I have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning stars. And you see later uh, in Revelation 22, I believe, that Jesus is the morning star in the book of Revelation. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, that at the end they're conquering uh, authority over nations, and this, this is participation with Jesus in the life to come. And you'll see that theme through the rest of, of what is said to the churches when they conquer. That we will participate in the fullness of Christ in the life to come. New heaven, new earth. Amen. So again, the theme you're finding here, we're going to keep finding, the theme is idolatrous worship, what's happening in, in, in the cultic practices. Uh, again, false teaching coming into the church that they are dealing with this on an everyday basis because their life was so entwined with, with political things, with religion, and also then the simple work life was all, all pounded together in one thing. It, it wasn't like a, you, can go to, you can go to work and not say anything and nobody would know much about you religiously and maybe even politically, but you can show up to church and, and practice it freely in the Roman times because of the imperial cult you were pretty much in a place that you had to participate or else it would have been known. And then what happens because it's known that you won't participate. It was just out there for people to see. Okay? Let's keep reading. We've got uh, three more. What time is it? All right, we've got time. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, right, to the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then, you have received what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know the hour I will come against you. In other words, again, it's about the return of Jesus. We don't know the day or the hour. He can come as a thief in the night. You still have a, names, uh, a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. In other words, they have remained righteous. And they will walk with me in white. Again, white representing righteousness. For they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot their name out of the book of life. Which we, we come in, uh, and understand more about that at the end of Revelation at Judgment. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Reputation of being alive. Out here, all looks good. Inside, it's just dead. Reminds me of what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Remember? You look good on the outside, whitewashed tomb, but inside, you're full of bones. There's nothing alive in you. 
Jesus is calling us to an active life that's not just outward good in appearance, but inward full of life. To the church of Philadelphia. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David. In other words, it's messianic hope, messianic promise. Who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your work, and behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. It's the openness to him and to what is to come in eternal life. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those in the synagogue of Satan who say they are, are Jews are not, but lie. In other words, they are not living the fullness of the promise of Abraham. Behold, I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. So in other words, again, in Philadelphia, there may have been Jews there that were stirring up persecution against the Christians. But what, what the prophecy is saying, what the, what the revelation is bringing, is that you will be honored as those who truly follow my name. And you will be acknowledged as such. In the time of persecution, again, for, for those of, of, uh, of, that were Jews that persecuted Christians, they persecuted them because they believed they were wrong. They're claiming Jesus is the Messiah. And they're saying, that's not true. He's not come yet. You're, you're, you're believing a false prophet, right? You're leading people astray. You're, you're leading them astray from what the Torah says and all these different things. So uh, persecution be, be raised against them. But at the end of things, those who do that will be forced to acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah and you are true children of God. Because they would say, I'm a child of God because I'm of Abraham. You're not. Right? But they will be forced to acknowledge that you are a child of God through Jesus and grafted into the line of Abraham. Okay. We'll keep going here. It's not too much, is it? Okay. Verse 10, because you have kept my word and patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to those uh, who dwell on the earth. Now, what does that mean? Is it, is it again, in that time, some, some people uh, teach if this is about church ages, that we're in the church age of Philadelphia right now, how you want to approach that. But I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. What, what is the crown? Crown is the reward that we receive in eternal life. Now, I know some people think literally about a crown. We, new heaven, new earth, we get a crown. I'm not so much of the literal that we walk around forever wearing a crown. But it's symbolic of the reward, the, the crowning of your head. Identity, right? Seated with him in, in, in his kinship, in other words, participation in life to come. So live in such a way that you don't lose your crown. Let's see, where am I at? There we go. Thank you. To the one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. In other words, and, and the new temple that comes later, there is no temple. The temple is encompassed of God and the Lamb. We find that at the end of the book of Revelation. There you're, again, participating in the new life of eternity. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write, him, write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, now Philadelphia, by the way, that was the first one there was no critique. 
It wasn't like, hey, I got some stuff against you you got to repent of. Philadelphia is doing pretty good, all right? And it was just talking about the things that they're doing, holding fast, don't do things to lose your crown, keep this up to him who conquers. Again, the fullness of eternity is found with Jesus and the Father. Last church. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would you that, would that were, you were either hot or cold? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, so you have Colossae, which I don't know, a few miles away from Laodicea, was well known for its cool waters. Then you had uh, Aeropolis, a few miles this way, that was known for its hot springs. So Laodicea was, by this place, was well known for what they did with the cool waters, and a place that was well known for its hot springs, and he's charging them, you're neither like them, then that's good, and you're neither like them, and that's good, you're actually lukewarm, and that's no good. I'd rather you be cold for the usefulness of it, or I'd rather you be hot for the usefulness of it, but you're lukewarm. You're good for nothing. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It's a warning. Again, this, this has a lot to do maybe back to, uh, again, the, the first church coming off of our first love, getting, getting uh, lackadaisical inwardly in what we're doing, our relationship with God. For you say I am rich. I have prospered, I need nothing, not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Again, outward doesn't mean anything if the inward is wilting away. Riches is right here, second time we find us in the churches. I counsel you to buy from me. In other words, be in relationship with me in such a way. Gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, right here. White garments, in other words, righteousness, so you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness. It may not be seen, and a salve to anoint your eyes, so you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. You, you want to deal with lukewarmness right here? Repent and get zealous after him. You're either get hot or cold. You'll be useful for something. Be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand. It is a famous verse that, that, that is used so much. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and eat with him and he with me. Amen. Here we're finding the ending of the addresses of the churches. Jesus is always knocking at the door of our heart. You know that? And it takes a faithful response to him to bring him in so there's fellowship. Eating is always symbolic of fellowship. As we'll find later in the book of Revelation, the fellowship of, 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 of the bride and the lamb, the fellowship the supper of the lamb. Symbolic of relationship. Jesus is always at the door of your heart. Are you purposeful in letting him in? Allowing him space within you to fellowship with you and get rid of your lukewarmness and bring you to a place of being useful in the kingdom. Amen?
So to him who conquers, last bit here. I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne, participation with Christ. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. So a wide range of things happening, mostly centered on idolatry, false teaching, uh, following from your first love, being lukewarm. Again, all these challenges to keep yourself in a thriving relationship with him, watching out for the practices of worship of your life, okay? And, and positioning yourself in a way that the Holy Spirit can help you be one who conquers. That, that's the message to the churches. Every one of them. To him who conquers, there is all these, these ways of describing eternal life with him. Amen. And what happens is after this, then it gets into what we would consider the meat of the book of Revelation. All these different images and, and symbolism. What do they mean? And all leading up to what the letters to the churches are foreboding. There, there's judgment. There's book of life. Uh, being judged according to what you have done. And to him who is found in the Lamb's book of life. To him who remains conquering Conquering is remaining faithful. Conquering is remaining faithful. To him who is faithful, then we find new heaven, new earth. All things being made new. Amen. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more mourning. Uh, all the mourning is turned into dancing. All our sorrow is turned into laughter. All, all of our pain is turned into joy. All these different things that we're headed towards by being faithful and keeping Again, big theme of Revelation, keeping ourselves in proper worship. Because everything you do with your life worships something. Amen. And we watch out for ourselves. Stay true in our worship of him. Amen. Okay. So here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dismiss and close. Now, I haven't done this yet, but I will this week and next week. If you have uh, Revelation questions... I'm going to ask if you come down here. I'll spend a couple minutes doing that with you if anybody has anything. Okay? If not, you are dismissed, and we'll see you Sunday morning. We're going to keep on the neighborhood Sunday, but I'm going to prep your heart right now. Sunday's message is I have found maybe the hardest message for Christians to receive in our society as a church. I'm going to prep your, prep your heart right now. What do I do when my enemy lives next door? And, 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 I, and you say, why is that hard? When we talk about this Sunday, you understand, because you have to start grappling with some things and our responses to those that we consider our enemies. So the neighborhood on Sunday, it, it's, it's a hard message to, to, to receive, to nuance into the details of your life. So come with your heart prepared. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but we'll see. Amen. Lord, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for the message to the churches that we learned today, what they learned back then, Lord, to be faithful to you. That there is a reward for those who stay faithful. There is a reward to those who stay diligent. I thank you for an opportunity to repent, Lord, for the ways that we've gone off track, Lord. Lord, forgive us. I pray that we're a people that has the two witnesses, the two lampstands uh, of later of the book of Revelation, that our witness goes forth into this world because we remain faithful to you in true worship. 
So I thank you for that. I praise you for the reward that is coming in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Love somebody on your way out tonight. Be blessed as you go. If anybody has questions, you come down here, and we'll just spend a couple minutes doing that.